Howdy, Tyler. Yeehaw! You like you too, don't you? Yee! <laughs> and then you might like Kings of Leon, only by the night. So as the strains of You Somebody die away, it's time for another edition of Tummel or Then You Might Like, a podcast from the Review 2 Boys, myself Tyler, and here with me as always is Johnny. How are you today, Johnny? I'm very good. I'm feeling Southern American. I've got my cowboy shirt on and I'm ready to crack on with Kings of Leon. Well, I think you're more uh, prepped and primed for this one than uh, perhaps I am. Um... (laughs) This is uh, so. I think going back to a, a great summer in my life, two thousand eight and two thousand nine. This album was massive. It was absolutely massive. It was uh, probably bigger than the Killers' Day and Age, but there was also some really big hits on on that album. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it's a really good time. But it was absolutely swamped with Kings of Leon, yep. and I don't know how much that's fed in to me not really ever taking the time to listen to this album because perhaps I felt like I'd already heard it. Yeah, I think a few people probably feel that way. Certainly there's one track which everyone will have stuck in their head whether they like it or not. And it is uh, an album that evokes a particular time in my life. I think I was at the right age to hear it. And it's not my favourite Kingsley on album that would be the one previous to this because of the times which is I would say a far better record as to the first three albums you could make a very good case for those three albums being the best album so why this one well this is the one I feel where they became most U2-ish and for anyone who's maybe stumbled on this any Kings of Leon fans what we're doing on the show is obviously looking at we have reviewed all the U2 albums so we're looking at things that we think you might like if you like U2 and the comparisons are staggering on this album so we can get into uh, some of the press around this a lot of negative reviews of this album um, a lot of positive ones as well a lot of middling ones but Pitchfork, our old friends, uh, particularly Ian Cohen at Pitchfork, gave us a 3.8 out of 10, which is very low. And they said, Kings of Leon have laterally shifted from one easily understood linear narrative festival band to another arena rock band, turning themselves from the Southern Strokes into the Southern U2. What if Bono got lost in the Blue Ridge Mountains and was replaced by a local yokel? Suggested band name, Y'all 2. So, have you heard that comparison before? Are you aware of this crossover? Is it something that I'm bringing to the table to you? Uh, yeah, as as much as I've left Kings of Leon alone, that has got to me. That, that that rings certain bells. Well, brother Noel from uh, Oasis, who we've covered Oasis. on this podcast. Oasis. Uh, I can't say that now without adding <laughs> that in. It's so stupid. Uh, bro- brother Noel, um, I'm reading this, obviously I've nicked this from somewhere online. He wrote on his blog that uh, Kings of Leon doing you 2 ouch. So Liam dismissed um, Kings of Leon and it seems like Noel has made that comparison as well. It's something that they can't really get away from. Now, did you know also, Tyler, that they have supported you 2 
Yeah, weren't they one of the bands that we wanted and didn't get for Vertigo? Certainly were. I yeah. think we got shafted really at that at that gift. Considering uh, at that at that at that gig, considering I, there was some really Idle Wild and Athlete. Yeah, which no offense I to still, either of them. I still like Athlete. Mm. I don't think I don't think I've, I think I've only listened to Idle Wild once, and that was when they were in front of me. They're fine. I'd say they're fine. Whereas Athlete are actively annoying, or at least the lead singer's delivery is actively annoying. To be honest, it's a lot harder to ignore a band when they're actually the playing at you. Mm, true. Anyway, they supported you two on the 2005 North American Vertigo tour. So they said, I don't know which one this is. I assume this is, um, well, it's one of the bands, one of the three brothers uh, and one cousin that make up the band, the Followills. So we did a TV sh- show called CD UK in London and you two were on the show too. We played and then they played and we were getting ready to leave and the publicist said, hey, Bono wants you guys to stay. He wants to meet you guys. Nathan recalls, this is Nathan Followill. So we had some drinks and he was a pretty cool and complimentary of our record, but just like a normal down-to-earth guy. Like a month later, our manager called us and said, we just got the U2 offer. Growing up, we weren't allowed to listen to U2, so an album like The Joshua Tree, uh, we just discovered uh, like that two years ago. If we were a band that had grown up listening to U2, we'd be a hell of a lot more scared than we are, he explained. But what we do... What we do take from you 2 is the realisation of how great it would be to be in a band for 20 years. We can only fathom how great it could potentially become uh, to be as long and yada yada yada. He says about how, like, obviously it's great to be in a band for that long. Apparently Bono sent them, or the band sent them, a hamper of Guinness and Verve Clico, which um, seems to be a nice gesture. So, Kings of Leon, massive crossover with you 2 And I think there will be some people from our regular podcast who have probably come over and know this album quite well. And there's probably some other people who absolutely can't stand kings leon but i enjoy that and i think there's going to be some conflict on this album review don't know why you say that joy um right so are there any more u2 connections uh there probably are i did scan through u2 by u2 and couldn't see any other well, she things. did yeah but you've but... now read that book more than anybody else well in the history of planet earth <laughs> certainly the index anyway trying to look for like peter gabriel or um depeche mode and whatnot but I think there will be some crossover between this album and a few other U2 albums. Obviously, U2 have got an American sound um, to a certain extent. Or at one point when during the Joshua Tree era, they went very hard into the territory that Kings of Leon have been into. But it's strange because as a band, I don't know if there's many bands that have shifted their sound so quickly over the span of about three albums. And they did release quite quickly um, after the first album, Youth and Young Manhood. They did quite quickly um, release the subsequent albums. And by the time you get from that first one to this fourth one, there is a a large difference between the, the sound. Is this the peak? I would say this is the commercial peak. And I'd say it marks the top bit before they absolutely tumble down critically i'd say because the times um because the times was successful but the thing is sex on fire absolutely broke them massive or whatever the phrase would be they they were huge after this so definitely commercial peach uh, peach commercial peach i'm gonna stick with that yeah (laughs) it's a peach that makes lots of money commercial commercial peach but critically this is when they started to get panned and a lot of the people who were on board for the early stuff, which is very, um, very much more gritty and very much more southern styled and far less reverb, far less delay, a lot more like barroom brawl fighting music. Um, I think they would have lost them by this by this point. A lot of those fans. Right. Shall we do the chart? Sure. Yeah.
you're going to say your little oh, thing. Hit it. <laughs> in at number 10 this week, down from 8, it's Mountains by Biffy Clyro. In at number 9, it's All Summer Long by Kid Rock. Number 8 now, it's Begging by Mad Kong. Down to 7 from 5, it's The Man Who Can't Be Moved by The Script. In at number 6 now, it's Pajanu by Eric Prids. I'm pretty sure that's definitely how you pronounce that. Um, in at number 5, it's Dystopia by... Oh, Disturbia. Disturbia by Rihanna. Number four, Rihanna. down from three. <laughs> Rihanna. <laughs> at number four from three, when I grew up, the Pussycat Dolls, new on the chart at number three. It's Thank You for the li- ah, Thank You for a Lifetime by Cliff Richard. Number two, down from one, I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry, and new on the chart at number one this week. It's Sex on Fire by the Kings of Leon. Wow, that's one of the rare things that. It doesn't usually happen when we do this chart, uh, does it, that we've actually got someone right at the very top. I can't remember many times when that's occurred, when a single has been... I think the song must have come out the week before, or two weeks before, because this is its first... It's it's only been on the chart one week, and it's it's debuted at number one. Mm. So... Uh, Brief summation of how you feel about that chart. Uh, Katy Perry's all right. I mean, that that song's lasted. Never heard the Cliff Richard song... (laughs) Um, I Cliff was still in the charts then. I mean, he's 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 consistent. You've got to give him that. Yeah, I'd liked "All Summer Long" by Kid Rock. Ugh. Um. Uh, and I don't really know "Mountains" by Biffy Clyro. I thought they only turned up a couple of years later. Um, but you know, th- there we go. Yeah, not a great chart, if I'm honest. Even with Rihanna. Rihanna, yeah, Rihanna. I like that Disturbia song, but all the rest sounds like a pile of crap to me. But oh well, you know, what do I know? Uh, I like a few uh, Rihanna tracks with um, my boy Eminem. I thought you say your Marshall. boy Paul McCartney. Oh no, oh no, that's awful. Is that the one with um, Kanye, Kanye as well? Yeah, yeah. Graduation as well was massive at this time. Yep, yeah. Yep. Still, I would say Kanye's best album. Um, Only one I've listened th- to properly. Yeah, I mean, I've listened to a few. Some of them are rough. And I've got good friends that are big Kanye fans and really see, really think that he's a genius, and I just don't get it. I can't even begin to penetrate that egg. <laughs> I imagine calling Kanye West an egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we, um, do we want to do we want to give a bit more detail about this album? Then do you want to do that, or, do, or, or shall I? Uh, I have no detail. Okay, so Only By The Night, stylized um, with very... I mean, you can go on Wikipedia and see how stupid this looks. Um, and in terms of gimmicks, I really don't like this. Um, they've got little um, dashes and uh, forward... Like, it's stupid, it's stupid. Uh, it's the fourth studio album by the American alternative rock band, Kings of Leon, released September 2008. And this was a huge success. I'm just trying to think of the best way to sum that up. Um, okay, so it got... Inside the top 10 of over 10 different countries. It was a certified best-selling album in Australia, certified nine times platinum. And there's more and more stuff online if you want to see how successful. But it was big news, basically. And if you were around at this time and maybe hitting the bars and the clubs, then you would hear a lot of these songs. Well, two or three of them, but you'd hear them non-stop. It was inescapable. Mm. And for some people, that's a good thing. For some people, that's a bad thing. My overall opinion is, um, and or reason why I thought it would be a good one to review, is I thought we'd get a little bit of friction between you and I about how good this album is. I think, broadly speaking, it's... Why are you always trying to make us fall out? Uh, why are you always trying to not make us fall out, you idiot? The, 
there is a difference between the albums I present to you and the albums you present to me. You want to rile me, <laughs> and I want to actually introduce you to something that you would love. Uh, yeah, and sometimes we're both successful, and it always makes for cracking Why radio. doth thou punish me so? <laughs> How Shakespearean. Um, well, because, it, because as Shakespeare would tell you, it makes for an inter- more interesting podcast and is just agreeing with us. Shakespeare's very clear about podcasts. Um, right, okay, so uh, here we go. It's Kings of Leon, only by the night. Okay, track one at three minutes, 57 seconds. It's closer, or is it closer? Hmm. Mm, See, they're already showing you that they're clever with words, because how could you open something with a closer? Yeah. Yep. Um, Right, so this this song is apparently, uh, according to Caleb, the lead singer, about a lovesick vampire. Did did you know that, Tyler, when you listened to the song? <laughs> I did not. I got I got an operation theatre vibe with the the bleeps and bloops. Ah, right. Well, while you brought that up, um, that is actually something. I mean, it's a big hook for the song. I think it's very distinctive. That is actually a bass guitar. And um, when I was looking at this uh, online, I found out that apparently that's achieved with the very same multi-effects guitar pedal that I've got. So I was just looking online about how to do that. It's only three notes, but they're using the whammy pedal, the thing that makes it go an octave higher. So it goes whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, well, that's a different note. Anyway, you know, it goes it goes higher, yeah? A bit like how Edge does at the start of... Um... That, was, that was both a good impression and truly awful. <laughs> and I don't know how you've managed that. <laughs> Well, that's my bland. That's my that's my brand, or bland, either or. Um, like Edge does with even better than the real thing or hold me, thrill me. That it's basically shifting up higher an octave and going between the two. Actually, quite an easy riff to play. But if you see them play it live, it's a bit weird because there is a bass line to this song, but it's actually played by the keyboardist. <laughs> Those crazy rock stars. Um, <laughs> so I definitely got the life support system kind of vibe yeah which is interesting because you know it's a it's a different transition than we're used to uh we always talk about how we like to be transported into the album one way or another and if this lovesick vampire is on the operating theater where he just bleeps and bloops he's going in and out of conscience conscious then uh yeah i yeah i'm on board with that. i didn't know about the, the vampire but i got an in that that intense clinical impression mm. it's um of of that i think that works as well because at the end it, the, it does trail off you know it sounds like it's almost flatlining the way that he moves the whammy pedal for that that main sort of hook so i can definitely see that i think this is a very strong opening song and i like i think we might we might have discussed this before i like opening songs that feel like they couldn't just be anywhere else in the album like Zoo Station is an opening song. This to me is an opening song. It it sort of creeps out, and I love it. I, I love the the vocal quality. I think Caleb makes a very strong case for him being a strong singer at the start. Although I have written down here, this might be where we differ potentially, or maybe a line. Do you think he's a good singer based on this song? On this song, yeah, N- not really. No. <laughs> um. It's not the kind of first track that I like. I like a big bombastic, drop your drawers, show us what you've got kind of show, uh, um, song. And I don't. Mm. While this is really sonically interesting, instrumentally fantastic, I don't think it 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 has that instant grab appeal to like 
okay you with the Kings of Leon for the next 45 minutes? Hmm. It's it's definitely... Hmm. I'm trying to think of other, other, other openers to their albums. I think there's definitely other albums that they've opened maybe more the way that you would want then. But I, I just like this. I like, I like how it's... It's got a very, very strong, dark atmosphere to it. And I mean, I would never have found out apart from, from looking today, apparently it's about lovesick vampire. I've, I've, I like the lyrics though. And I always, um, I always come back to the line, 2000 years of chasing, taking its toll. And I always thought that was to do with, um, to religion because obviously like, you know, 2000 years, roughly speaking, since the birth of Christianity and 2000 years of chasing, you know, people running after Christianity. And as far as I know, the brothers are, or definitely were at this point, quite religious. They were brought up in a very religious background, uh, family, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, apparently weren't allowed to listen to the Joshua tree or weren't allowed to listen to music and stuff. So I don't know that, that, that line always feels quite apocalyptic. I think there's quite a, a lot of apocalyptic stuff on this album. Definitely coming up soon. Uh, their parents must be furious by now. Well, there's a bit later on where he says Jesus don't uh, Jesus don't love me, and uh, well, we'll talk to that we'll talk about that when we when we get up to it. But yeah, right. So I the problem I have with this is I wanted the album to bleed into the next track, bleed out perhaps mm. into the next track, going with uh, some more medical puns there. But it doesn't die. It doesn't uh, bleed out. It dies out, and um, I think that's a shame. I, I would like. I like this should be an intro into that. Come on, give me where's the punch? Where's the epicness? It's lovely, it's great, it's the kind of track that Brian Eno would no doubt, you know, have kittens over, but um mm. I just it, for me it just it's missing something. It's missing um a bit of a show me what you got. Maybe because it does revolve around that central riff that never changes. I mean, he must get quite bored, actually. To be fair, um, when he's playing this, I think Jared is his name. When he, I know I did. When he's <laughs> when he's playing it, cause he's literally just playing those those same three notes and keeping a keeping an eye on his whammy pedal, uh, so to speak. So yeah, maybe it's that that makes it a bit repetitive. But I like it, and maybe it's, we're coming back to that old thing of I just like repetitive, robotic sounding things. Yeah. Well, would you prefer the next song, track two, Crawl, four minutes, six seconds, would you prefer that to be the opener of the album? Because this could be a good opener as well. No. Oh, no, this is going to go badly. All right, well, what's wrong with this one then? <laughs> I'll say, okay, so track two, Crawl, four minutes, six seconds, released on uh, released on October the 27th, 2009. I think it's 2009. Yeah, it's got to be 2009. And it reached 125 in the UK charts. This is Bullet the Blue Sky. The, the, this is the Gavin Friday version of Bullet the Blue Sky. And no U2 fans, that song doesn't yet exist. But this is, it's like it's going for that kind of vibe. And I'm going to say this straight away. I don't feel like I can review this fairly because all I can hear is Bullet the Blue Sky. And it's not a good version of Bullet the Blue Sky. And also, how the hell is this a single? Yes, yeah, I don't think it's a single. Um, I mean, this was an era of confusion around singles. I, th I think if you're if you're doing a single, I think you should have three, four max. I don't think you should release half the album as singles. I think it's kind of stupid, really. So um, even if the fans are gagging for lots of material, I just think like, you're getting rid of the purpose of a single. If half the album is singles, then that's not really the case. 
Um, so yeah, I agree it's not a single, but this is, for me, a fantastic song. I think it's a great song. I have written down Bullet the Blue Sky because I think it is, it's definitely in the same vein. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Bullet the Blue Sky is a song by uh, U2 on the Joshua Tree. Arguably U2's most successful album and best-selling album. And if you're going to rip off a song from U2, I'd go for something more, you know, obscure. You know, something like Wild Honey, which people haven't heard of. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like... It's, it's so on. Does this not annoy you? It's so on the nose. No, it's not. I don't. I don't. I, I think it's the thing that you're identifying in it, right? It's not a ripoff. It's got a similar vibe. So it's got a. <laughs> your eyebrows are nearly over the top of your head, right? So um, it's got a similar vibe because Blood of the Blue Sky has a, like a kind of rolling infinite riff that just keeps going on. Actually, quite a simple riff, but a very very good one. Well done, Adam. So, and it's the same with this sort of thing. It's got one of those you know just churning do 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 which is different to i'm not going to do but it's different to that it's not different it is i don't i genuinely don't know how you can sit there and say that this is different but the music goes doesn't don't sound like anything else mate it's just bullet the it's just a Really bad. I'm trying so hard not to swear right now. It's just a really bad version of like the Blue Sky. Well, I don't think it is. It's got it's got a really I, I, every element that comes in. I love the drums. I love that introduction. I can't be the only one that's ever said this. No, I'm sure you're not. And like it's like like the Pitchfork dude said, he's you know like it, it, you know y'all too. But I don't think it's so similar that it has to be that it's a rip off. I don't think it's a rip off. I mean, fans getting it is a rip. Oh my. Right, if Noel Gallagher had, had, had done this song in Oasis, they'd have been sued. It, it, that's how, that's how, it's so close. Uh, please, people on Twitter, if you, right, just Johnny or Tyler, who do you agree with on this? It, I, this is going to get exhaustive. I, I, I don't like the song. I, I, th- I thought it, I, I thought it was blatant, and it, it really annoyed me. Well, I mean. I liked this song so much that when on I can't remember the exact um it might have been the 2006 or 7 edition of Smackdown uh, the video game for PS2 I had a character called Rev Enge very clever he was a like a vicar which character. I came up with I came up with that No you didn't Oh you right you had a a vicar's costume for Halloween, right? And when you were putting this this wrestler together, mm-hmm. I was with you, and I suggested revenge. I don't remember. And this. you have you have stolen that, and and like each note. Even our friend Doctor Mark has stolen that joke as his own, and it annoys me because none of you will ever give me credit for the things I come up with. I came up with a name review too for ah. I, I, Just come on. I'm pretty sure I came up with review too. Oh my! Right, why? Why is it so hard for everybody to admit that Tyler had a good idea every, once every ten years? You, you, you did, but Revenge, I thought was my idea. No wonder you like this song because you're a plagiarist as well. You're, you, you belong in the Kings of Leon. <laughs> you can be the, you know, the the, the step cousin, whatever they need. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they'll ask me. I think, I think one of them's taking some time off. He just had a kid. Uh, you know, well, best wishes. Um, well, anyway, the point I was making is I like this song so much that on that edition of the game, you could pick what... Maybe it's PS3, actually. You could pick, anyway, what your song was as long as you had it on MP3 format. So I got... That's PS3. Yeah. That's PS3. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. 
So um, uh, once things got started getting uploaded to YouTube, licenses got very messy for that. So well, in that it was a short-lived feature, but I agree it was a good one. Yeah, and in that heady day, I used this because I thought it was perfect for my character, uh, Rev Eng. And so he had it as his Titantron entrance, and that I think it's such a good Titantron music. It pumps me up. This song really pumps me up. As soon as you hear that, and that bass line starts going, you're like, I'm in. I'm ready. I'm ready for some apocalyptic power. Tyler's sitting back eating Pringles, guys, for the for the benefit of um, the fact this is this is an audio thing. Something Tyler seems to have forgotten. I'm just staying quiet before you steal any more of my ideas. You know how I send you messages all the time about um, about band names that I'm just come up with, mm-hmm. right? I do that to people with wrestling names. I know what my my um, what do they call it? intellectual pro- property is? My IP. Provide I know the what paper my trail. Is. If you provide the evidence, I'll rescind my ownership over revenge. If, if I had honest friends, I wouldn't need to, would I? Well, frontman Caleb Followill explained to the Daily Telegraph. I'm just going to tell you what this song is about. Um, he says, and this is to give you some background on what the song is about. So maybe this will sway you, Tyler. Um, it's all to do with America. And he says, it honestly feels as if America has to learn to crawl again before it can walk tall. He added, in biblical prophecy, it says at the end of days there will be wars and rumours of wars. Look at all the hurricanes and earthquakes. Remember, this is 2008 we're talking. And everything that's going on. To me, it's almost like what's been done in America has brought on the feeling of a religious war. And along with that, a lot of other prophecies are coming to pass. It scares me. So I think it is fair. I mean, we're obviously we're living in the middle of a, a pandemic and there's lots of bad stuff going on. It seems like every other day, terrible stuff is in the news. But in 2008... I, I haven't seen any. <laughs> but in 2008, there definitely were a lot of things going on. Um, very relevant to today, I suppose. Had, had we had the credit crunch yet? I think that was either it was either looming or it was either looming or it just happened. It was around about that time. Yeah, lots of bad stuff. Um so I think this is meant to sum up an apocalyptic mood. And I think that's that's why maybe it seems a little bit Bullet the Blue Sky-ish. I think both of uh, both Bullet the Blue Sky and this and Rage Against Machines kind of sometimes quite heavy guitars and apocalyptic guitars and use of, of certain effects can all sound like the same angry, heady, political mess. And I, I like it. I like swimming in this song and I think it's it's great. For this old bullet, oh, bullet the blue skies. You know, it's it's a better song, but th- this is a great song. If 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 you want to walk tall into a room, ignore the political and you know the context behind the song, and just hear the the raw meat of it. Then this is a great song and a great entrance for my character, Revenge. Are there any other uh, cover songs on this album? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I mean, you somebody. I think a lot of people think is. Sounds like you two wrote it for them and just sent them in and said, we're not going to bother with this. Here you go. But we'll get we'll get to that, won't we? Right. Well, here we go. Um, are we ready for Sex on Fire, Tyler? The song, okay. by the way. <laughs> All right. Okay, so track three, Sex on Fire, three minutes, 23 seconds, released on September the 5th, 2008. It got to number one in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Finland, and the US alternative top 40 chart. Uh, instantly the most poppy radio friendly song so far more upbeat tempo uh, I think this is kind of music to make you move you, you've got to be dead to not dance to this this kind of song um, and I've I've done the research so uh, uh, I mean uh, one question I've always had with this this um, 
this song is that like you know I know you're watching who's watching <laughs> you know like you might you know you might have had a you might have got walked into a room and just happened upon you know a very very fiery sex scene but no one's no one's sticking around to watch it just it adds a little bit of creep to the song kind of like the police every breath you take is a song about a stalker yeah and it always makes me laugh that people sing that at weddings or have that you know as as the as the first dance i mean come on guys it says about a stalker <laughs> like do you do your research on your wedding song you only get one i wonder if anyone's ever had this as their first dance song or coming down the aisle what's, song what's message it's message What's what's the message? <laughs> I genuinely thought you were saying what's message, and I thought where does Caleb say message? Smessage. Um, <laughs> um, and like a sausage. Oh, a sausage. Possibly for this song, I think you've got to remember around about this time they were they were young men. They were about twenty twenty five, twenty six. They're all different ages, but around about that that age, the young men. And I think, right. Well, I mean. There's, let's roll this back a little bit. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the fact that Caleb said there were very different lyrics initially on, in this song. So depending on whether a song starts with a melody or starts with lyrics, you know if it starts with a melody, you just keep playing the melody over and over until you get it down, and just throw any lyrics on it that fit the verbal flow. I mean, he's basically describing how Bono does the whole you know Bongolese thing there. He's saying it was actually going to be set us on fire, but one of the sound mixers in the studio walked in as we were playing and said "sex on fire, huh?" and it just became a running joke, and we stuck with it. How I wish they had not stuck with it. I, 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 it's so annoying this song, right? Because the song's fine, as in the structure of the song is fine, the melody's fine, um, but it's all in the lyrics, and lyrics can change very, very easily. And if this song wasn't so crushingly, embarrassingly about sex in a really childish, it was pretty ch- juvenile way, not childish, like a juvenile way, but also the fact that. It's so obvious that if you're talking about something being on fire and then bringing sexuality, it just sounds like there's some sort of stinging, painful disease or something involved. It's a disgusting... Burning sensation when you pee. <laughs> see a doctor. See, yeah, see the see the um, <laughs> the Followill brothers and they'll, they'll give you some penicillin or whatever. But it, it's it's so annoying because the, the album for me goes so well at the start. I, 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 as I just said, love the first two songs. I think they're great opening and, and you know second track songs. It, it ruins the flow of the song of the, of the album as well. I think it's a bad, it's bad even just track listing wise. But they've obviously got to say right, we've got to put it early on so people keep listening to it because it was such a popular song. And right, one last quote. This is from X. Um, sorry, not X. It's from Razorlight frontman Johnny Burrell. Brackets. I hate Razorlight. Okay. Describing Sex on Fire, he said it's basically the apex death and afterlife of landfill indie all in one go. <laughs> okay, and this is this is a thing. I mean, I, I mean, when I'm agreeing with Johnny Burrell, and when Johnny Burrell has a good reason to slag off your song, then you've gone down a bad alley, basically, in my in my view. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's such a disappointment. This song. I will say that I do like the drums on it, though. The the drums feel very crispy. I like all the instruments actually. It's just. It's just a, a mess. <laughs> Instrumentally, this album is sound. I will say that. Okay, it's it's really it's really good. Um, I don't mind Sex on Fire. Uh, you know, it's poppy. It's it, it's kind of euphoric into the chorus. Yeah, and it's one of a couple songs on the album that you know they're made for. All right, okay, 
if we're writing this album, we need some songs that people are going to want to buy a ticket to see live. Yep. And Which I did. it could be 30 years in the fu- in the future, right? And they every the whole festival, the whole stadium, arena, whatever it is, everyone's going to be singing this song. Everyone's going to know this song, you know, in, in 30, 40 years time. It's not going away. If if we were in a crowd and they were they were doing this, in fact, we went to a, a tribute band festival recently, and you saw the Kings of Leon yep. tribute, right? Yep. Did you or did you not sing along with this song? I was, you know, tapping my foot. Um, I was happy. I mean, I, was it? I'm not publicly going to sing along to this song. No, but was it? Was it or was it not? It's very well received. Yeah, yeah, of course. Reaction. Yeah, okay. It's because it's a pop song, right? It's it's not supposed to have the same integrity. It, it, uh, integ- integ- um, you know the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> integrity as as you know a deeper album cut it's not supposed to be artistic it's supposed to sell records and boy did this song sell records mm. it really did um you, i you couldn't go for a night out and like avoid it. it at one point you could not avoid it and it would get people moving on the dance floor it's got a great rhythm i think it's true i don't think you're going to a karaoke bar without hearing this song it's a karaoke singer's dream it's so easy to sing it's you know it's it's remarkable everybody knows it it makes you look like a superstar it's it's an unbelievable moment of unity live and that's <laughs> boy do we need more of those right now you know <laughs> like um it, there's no reason for me to not like this song oh, was it overplayed massively but so was the killer's human and i know which song i prefer oh mr brightside wait you, you... You prefer this to I, human? I would prefer this to human, yeah. So, that summer, I was gigging in the pubs and clubs, right? And I got asked to sing human eight times one night. I think I sang it six, but I thought, six, that's it. You know, I'm done. You know, I, 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 and it really put me off gigging because I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't, you know, I didn't just want to sing a, a nonsensical song over and over and over again. You know, it, it just it didn't it didn't feel right. Nonsensical. Um, killers. Yeah. What what what's nonsense? Human. What's nonsensical about it? We're not getting into this. <laughs> I, I love the killers, but my god, they they really messed up with that. And when I saw them live a few years ago in Liverpool, I, I just it the the quality of Human is not the same quality as the rest of the songs, and people go mad for it, and I don't understand it. I, it really I, bothers I like me. It. And I think it's I think it's I think it's a clever chorus. I think it's good. He's asking he's talking about species. <laughs> I've said this a million times to you. I'm yeah. gonna say it again on the podcast. He yeah. well, on the first first time on the podcast, he's saying, Are we human or are we dancer? Taking it as like, are we human or are we the species dancer? Because they're so into the music that they become a different species. Tyler's like, wake up. <laughs> I I massively prefer Sex on Fire to Human. Fair enough. I, I definitely prefer Human. And they were two very. And the reason that I'm liking it to Human is they were two very big songs at that time. Let's move on to number four and Use Somebody at three minutes fifty one seconds. Released on December the 9th, two thousand eight. It got to number one in uh, Australia, Belgium, Poland, U.S. Adult Alt, U.S. Adult Top Forty, U.S. Alt Airplay, U.S. Mainstream Top Forty, and in the U.K. also. Now, I don't, I'm not going to criticise the Americans. Sounds like you are. But how can how can it be alt and mainstream? Ooh. Surely being in one of them would Preclude. disqualify you from being the other one. Mm. Right? Well, I think this goes to the heart of the whole, you know, indie music. Is it indie music anymore? Because obviously this would sit in many 
music shops in the indie bargain bucket but um it's very far from what indie originally was meant to be whatever that means you know so it, it's just a contradiction of of our times isn't it it is indeed it is indeed um i always thought that this song makes the perfect um refrain for sex on fire i think the two songs belong together um and it's kind of like watching 007 Casino Royale and then watching uh, and, and then not immediately watching Quantum of Solace. If you don't watch Quantum of Solace immediately after Casino Royale, it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense whatsoever because it's 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 a sequel that wasn't sold as a sequel. And I have the same feeling with this song. Uh what do you feel about that analogy, Johnny? Um well, you, you know me, I, I like a good James Bond analogy. Um I agree with you to a large extent. I quite like Quantum of Solace despite its obvious flaws. Um and but I, I in terms of this song and that song I I don't feel like the the the, the living in the sonically yes, but tonally definitely not because I mean Sex on Fire is like it's basically like a scummy like it reminds me of getting my getting cider on my feet in disgusting dance floors like fifth avenue in manchester and there just being a lot of like desperate men around desperately trying to get with women and you somebody sounds like you know an a, a wide open vista and you know angels soaring and stuff like that it's just i don't think they belong in the same room uh, sort of tonally wise i think the um two sides of the same coin really you know that that very primal animal um I mean, I don't know, you know, is it a self-review that, it, that the sex is on fire? Or, you know, is as, as the lady said that to him? Um, it, you know, it, I think it, they do lead on and it's, you know, one emotion leads to another. And and for me, I think that it, it works that way. And I, I wish there was a bit of a bleed in from Sex on Fire into You Somebody. Surely they could have done something with the O's. Um, because both songs have a big O section, um, so I was, hmm. yeah, I, I wish there'd just been a little bit more thought into it, really. And uh, maybe the fact um, that it's called "Use Somebody" as well. I think that is an intentional pun, like the, the fact that he's. I think it's a very open and vulnerable song, but also he's saying, you know, I could use somebody. It's almost like a warning that you know, if you get with me, then there is a chance I will use you in some sort of way. You know. It, whatever that means you know physically emotionally so i like I, I think they're better lyricists than some people would give them credit for and i really like how the you later on um you know someone like you somebody like that i really like that melding together with the two things i think that's that's really cool yeah and i like everything about this song because it's i mean this is to me and you might disagree with this this to me is the most blatantly you two-ish they sound Apart from, oh really? Well, I mean, you would say obviously for the blue sky and close and uh, crawl, but to me, this is look. You've got big, big atmospheric um, chanting, an edgy solo, a, a lovely, open, wide open, beautiful dayish kind of vibe to it. So, lyrics that are vague enough to be applicable to anyone. That it seems like quite a U two song to me. It would be interesting to see what you you know if they ever do like a covers album but they do it like the like tangerine dream did and they didn't they covered it as if they wrote them yeah it would be interesting to see what u2's version of this song um sounded like but um i think the vocals are excellent on this track like really really good all the melodies work together like you said 
it's it's basically led by the drums and the vocal. There's 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 uh, you would say there's a lot more going on, but I think on a a fundamental yeah. level, it's the drums and the vocal that, that keep this track together. And another obvious live track, another reason to buy a ticket, which I did. Um, and did you? Where did you see them? I saw them with my brother, um, which might be strange to think. Cause he's not usually a, a rock and roll kind of guy, but he does like Kings of Leon, so this shows you a crossover. And Dio. He likes Dio. for some... I, I didn't know that. <laughs> Dio is in Black Sabbath, Dio. Yeah, Ronnie James. Mm-hmm, well, well, you know, I didn't say he had good taste. I said that he, you know, he did occasionally like to... <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we went to see them in, I think... It was it was definitely bigger than the Apollo. I think it might have been GMAX by that time. Um, but it was it was oh no no it was the arena. It was it was it was the arena definitely actually. Yeah. So um, they were big enough to good old MEN. Yeah, they were big enough to um to sell that. Well, to I mean to you know to do that that tour. It was a good gig. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, they were. You just said they were big enough to sell out the arena. That's an eighteen thousand seater arena. So I, I don't know what it is with people in it. You know, with people on the don't floor. know if they did sell it out actually. No, but they're big enough to play. Oh yeah, yeah. So they've yeah. got the confidence that they're going to sell enough tickets to make some money. Yeah. Tell me that they would have done. They would have been able to do that without Sex and Fire and Use Somebody. Mm, true. Good point. Um, I was actually interested in going looking it up. I won't look it up now because I, I can find out later. The audience don't care. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Look, I'm not arguing with the commercial success, but I think it was a poison chalice. Sex on Fire. I think it. If you flick this off the album, I think the album would. If you got rid of Sex on Fire, what's completely. I think you'd still you'd have a better album, in my opinion. Yes, a less commercially successful one, but I think it really the people who are wavering, who maybe from the old days, who really like this band. And I mean, did you just as a sidebar, did you listen to any of the older stuff? Like, do you know what they used to sound like? Uh, I think I'd know it if it was all these chamber. You know that song? Yeah. Completely different band almost. <laughs> this could go on forever. <laughs> That's how I felt listening to it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think you somebody, just to finish this off, um, it's the firing on all cylinders. It's probably the best pop song to date it has more emotional weight than sex on fire yep. and and i'm i'm really i i'm really happy with those two is the, is the lead singles for this album oh yeah yeah it makes total sense look commercially speaking critically um uh, not critically speaking makes total sense and you can see this as a song that could be on a lot of adverts as well if if sex is on sex on fire is something that obviously you couldn't use for a certain commercial ventures um particularly you wouldn't want it anywhere near any actual sex products because it sounds like something painful is going on but this one could be one you could sell a car to this song you know use somebody or you wouldn't you wouldn't want it on a party political broadcast either no no yeah probably not i'm trying to think of any parties not not that i think anyone's tried to book that um yeah i can't imagine david cameron for for like phoning up the uh kings of leon and asking Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> do you want to do? Your, do you want to do your your Trump do, uh, singing "Sex on Fire"? <laughs> I think that's two. That's two disgusting things colliding in a way which I cannot abide. So no, I I also I can't <laughs> okay. do my Trump impression on demand. I, it has to be it has to be organic for me to do old Trump. Maybe you'll turn up later. Maybe you'll slink in later on the old filthy. Yeah, I won't start. <laughs> 
Track number five, Manhattan, three minutes, 24 seconds. Um, listening to this immediately, I've taken this album for a walk a lot, and I don't understand how I'm so familiar with this song, because it's not a single, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's had a lot of airplay, and I've heard it in indie clubs, and... Uh, I don't even know if that's possible, but for some reason I've heard this this song enough to feel like I'm very familiar with I've it. I've played it a lot. It was one of my favourites whenever I would listen to this album. I, I love this song and would play it quite a lot. So possibly because of yours truly playing it a bit more than normal. Um, you said you've, you've, gone for, you've gone for a walk. I was actually, my first question is, could you imagine actually strolling through Manhattan listening to this? Uh, I don't think you could get up enough pace in Manhattan to walk to this. <laughs> get, get trampled. Um, yeah, I mean, and and like you know, this once you get to the end of a block, you know, you've got to you've got to queue for a good five minutes to you know just to get across the road. Um, I wasn't risking getting hit by a New York taxi when I was there, but I I've been I've been power walking the last month or so. I try to do five miles a day, and this has been a really good um, a good album to you know, keep the energy up and keep me going. Um, yeah, I think so far this is the most, well, other than the obvious crawl, uh, this is the most edgy the guitars have sound. yeah. sounded. I think this is one that um, I, I can imagine Edge listening to that and thinking, you know, that's, this is good stuff. Lyrically, we've not really gone into many of the lyrics on this album. Um, lyrically, this song was always... Because I, I, I can't hear them a lot of the time. I can hear them on Sex on Fire and, and Use Somebody. Mm. A lot of time, like going, okay, what did that girly man just say? I'd... Well, he's improved since the early days. Where, I mean, literally, it was like a, a rabid dog sort of barking, and you couldn't really hear what he was on about. Which had its own aesthetic pleasures. I really, really like Youth and Young Manhood. It's one of my favourite drum albums because you can stick it on, and I'd say seven of those songs are really fun to play on drums. I bet the drummer was very annoyed about this album because a big slowdown really in, in tempo and, and fun. This is a song that I think pairs really well with Revelry. And well, I'll talk about why that is in a little bit. But to me, this is a song that has always been associated with going out and having a great time and you know burning the candles at both ends. So you've got the lines, we're going to fuel the fire, we're going to stoke it up, we're going to sit this wine and pass this cup. So it's a going out song. It's a... Um, having a fun time song and considering he says i say and then it all sort of kicks off whenever he whenever he does that it, it feels like it's weirdly melancholy but also fun at the same time and um yeah it's a going out song for me yeah i get that you know i reckon you get really amped up listening to this it's it is ridiculously ca- uh, catchy and i was questioning beginning to question myself like why don't i like kings of leon like this is the kind of song that was really getting through to me and appealing to everything that I, I like about music. Um, I like music with energy. Mm. I like music with a bit of passion, a bit of emotional rawness. And this was, it was just really tapping yep. in. I mean, with, with lockdown ending in the last, last two months, I've had, I've had a few too many nights out, you know, um, that, that really aren't good for me. Um, but this is the kind of song that really yeah. gets me ready to go out for that first Guinness. So, uh yeah, a really really strong song, and I don't understand why I know it, but 
it, it got through to me in the in the course of this album, and it's a song that I'll be coming back that to. That bit um, where there's a little bit of a breakdown and the drums and bass lock together, and it goes, you know, that, and it re- it's a real like big moment in the song. I'd love to hear that live. I mean, I'm not going out, obviously, but like I'd love to hear that in a in a club context and see people dancing to it. It's so much. It seems like a really fun song. When are you going to stop being a curmudgeon, really? <laughs> Part of my brand. Um, um, the only thing I want to say about this is I'd gone through I mean I don't know how long I've been listening to this album obviously over a decade but I'd not learned that this has a sort of double meaning to this this song a lot of the lyrics relate actually to Native Americans is it about a man that that is wearing a hat oh man hat and <laughs> man, a man with a hat on with a tan man hat on man hat on man hat and so it's a man with a hat on who's really <laughs> called Anne. Um, anyway, so no, it's so apparently, and obviously everywhere in America used to be a Native American bit, you know, settlement. Yeah, well, not not everywhere. No, no, no. That would it be used to be it used to be part of Native America before, or whatever it would be called. You know, it was it was that beforehand. And you, it, with New York, New York feels like it's just always been New York, but of course it wasn't. And um, if you look back through the lyrics. Th- there's a lot of stuff here that's to do with Native American heritage. Apparently, and I might be wrong here, but apparently I read that um, in some way the followers claim descent from Native Americans in, in some in some form. Uh, and things like, you know, passing the wine cup, um, stoking the fire, that sort of thing. Th- there's a lot of stuff that seems to make sense if you read the lyrics through those eyes. I had never heard that. And when I think of Manhattan, I think of Manhattan cocktails, which I discovered around uh, around about this time. So this song to me, it's weird to have a song which is so firmly in one place in your mind dumped somewhere else. What, what's in a Manhattan cocktail for those drinking along at okay, home? Okay, so if you want to make a Manhattan, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I would make it with some sweet red vermouth, some uh, bourbon or rye. You probably have to use rye if you want to make it the old-fashioned way, although I don't want to bring old fashions into this. Um, you <laughs> need to... I would stir rather than shake. I'd... Get a little bit of um, a a tweel of an orange, which I would curl around a wooden spoon. Um, gives it a lovely orangey fragrance. I would also drop in a cocktail cherry. And my tip for a great Manhattan, although the purist will probably slay me, just a little a little dash of the cocktail cherry juice, just a tiny bit to bring out that cherryness. Um, it's a delicious cocktail. Try it yourself and drink responsibly, kids. Not kids, but you know what I mean. I'm on kamikazes at the minute. Uh, what what are they? they? They sound bad. No, um, it's vodka, um, Cointreau, or I actually prefer it with um, Grand Marnier, mm-hmm. and stronger, um, yeah, stronger, shaken shaken over ice, um, little uh, about a shot of lime juice, and then a slice of lime in it. It's very tart, but it's very summery. And my God, do they get you drunk? Yeah, well, I remember when drink responsibly, kids. Yes, you should. Um, I remember when going back to Bond. I remember when we went to watch Bond. I think it was Spectre, and we had lots of those Vesper cocktails from Casino Royale, and yeah, very strong. Um, and yeah, dear me. You're welcome, mate. You're welcome. <laughs> well, speaking of which, shall we move on to Revelry? Three minutes twenty-one. This for me. Weirdly, as I said, it's a, it's a, I pair this song with Manhattan. And if Manhattan is the the night out, the sipping the wine and passing the cup, this to me is the hangover song. And this is this would definitely be on my hangover playlist. 
and I think it's really clear what this song is about and it, I think it's an emotion that a lot of people can have a connection with so the album the lyric I want to highlight is I get lost in the night so high I don't want to come down to face a loss of the good thing that I found the, and there's so many people I think who are on nights out and they get so high on um, alcohol and the mood and God, goodness knows what else but you can tell there's a silver edge of they're doing that to get away from bad feelings or this you know when they've, they've broken up with someone or they're regretting something they've done you know that's they want to go high to get away from the thing that they've lost or they've, they've passed up on and um to continue that do you know what the most most offensive thing about a night out is what gone the sunrise <laughs> once that once the light starts changing and you know it's nearly over i really hate that well it's really not nice. I think this song would start coming on at that at that moment. I think it's it's got that real hangover quality to it. And the other line that I, I love for this is, "But the demon and me were the best friends from the start." It, I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to as well. The idea of going out drinking and the thing that you know is—I mean, it's technically poisoning yourself and that is going to ruin your day the next day. But there's a kind of... We- but gee whiz is it for? Well, <laughs> people, people wouldn't do it if it wasn't, you know. It's, I mean, that's just a fact. They wouldn't do it if it's like, oh, this this feels awful at the time. You know, it obviously feels good at that, that moment. And I think there's, for some people, they enjoy knowing that there is a, a, a wild quality to it, a, a devilish quality to it, which obviously can spill over into horrific... Uh, addictions and everything like that but yeah the demon and me were the best of friends from the start i think a lot of people maybe if they have just had a sip of a of a kamikaze or a, or a manhattan might be thinking oh demon hmm. so revelry was released on march 2nd 2009 it got to 29 in the uk charts and number six in the polish charts I just think there were too many singles off this album i don't i don't i love this song but i think it's pure deep cut i don't think it's a I don't think it's a very good single, to be honest. Although it no, is it's a, a weird choice. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, I think it's moving. Like it's a tearjerker song to me. I, I love the way it's <laughs> your face. Then I'll let me make a case for it. Okay, I, I think it's fair enough that it's a it's a it's a moving song. I mean, like it's all about about being sad about the fact that you've done so much like partying that you've screwed up a relationship I, I think that's something that a lot of people could relate to and i think he sings it in a very heartfelt way i also think that they were they were young men who had quite a repressive upbringing as far as i know from my very very brief understanding of the of their lives quite a repressive upbringing where they weren't allowed to do things so when they got on tour it was the whole you know the, the cliche of the sex drugs and rock and roll thing so i think this isn't just them singing about an idea it's them singing about it's kind of singing about experience you know and i think that that comes through well, i think it meanders along for three minutes and it would perhaps be best better placed as a final track uh, but it was it was it was the end of side b yep on the on the record double gatefold record mm. so perhaps that's why it's the and then we're gonna burst into something new and exciting with uh Track seven, mm. 17, three minutes, five seconds. This is Merry Christmas, Johnny. This is the, the turn I would describe this as. Now, if you look back up the other songs, for me, apart from Sex on Fire, which for me is a massive misstep. Mis- a massive Mistake? Misstep? Misstep, yeah. It's a massive misstep on the album. For me, 
in my opinion, not commercially, but critically, if you just got rid of Sex on Fire or changed all the lyrics, um, then the, that that first side is a very strong opening to an album. I think it's a great album, and I think it's difficult to dispute that if you like the kind of music that we generally do. 17, though, is the turning point, and it's a big pile of crap. I <laughs> really, Oh, thank God, it really is. It's, it's so bad. It's awful. I, it's the boots it's... of this record, I would say. <laughs> I'm not saying it's that bad, but um, like <laughs> but it's that same it's, thing. It's it just it didn't inspire any thought from me. It yeah, just it's it moronic. completely lost me. Yeah, and yeah. that big Christmassy intro, like, what's that about? It actually reminded me of the darkness. Yeah, it almost sounds like a novelty Christmas song, doesn't it? It's 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 yeah. really bad, and I don't understand how this. Um, I mean, they don't need this many songs. They've got. I mean, they got eleven. It could have done. It could have done. They're 10. all relatively short songs. You know, nothing's yeah. really longer than five minutes thirty. So maybe, maybe they would. They needed just one more. But yeah, yeah, this is. This should be hidden. This should be taken off future records. Yeah. Although there was a lot of extra tracks on international versions of the record. Yeah, which so. I, which I never I never had. I did own the record, but I didn't I didn't have those tracks. I don't think. Or at least I don't remember doing. Or maybe this was when I made the jump to Spotify and so I stopped buying physical copies of things. But listening to this song, it's it's so reminiscent of that time because I would usually begin with You Somebody and listen to that triple whammy of absolute hits from You Somebody to Revelry. And I love Revelry. And I'd be sitting there sort of in the lovely the glow or afterglow of the song. And then suddenly... Bing bong, ding dong dong. It sounds like a wedding entrance. It's awful, and I, I'd have to dash over to my speakers and just turn it off, or kick my speakers to bits, which whichever was quickest, basically. I am right that the first lyric is "She was only 17 right? Yeah, and the song is. Uh... Oh, <laughs> oh, you're gonna do Michael Caine? Here he She's comes. only seventeen. Yep, there it was, everyone. I mean. <laughs> She was only 17, Miss Moneypenny. Well, the thing is, this gets us into this uh, <laughs> horrible territory. And I don't like that this is a genre of music of lechery men waiting around for girls to ch- to turn a certain age. It's disgusting. It's like that, you know, 16, you're beautiful in your mind song. It's And Limmy's done a funny sketch on this as well. So if you put, I'm sure you can find it online, but it's funny. But what the hell? How did this get on the album sonically? How did it get on there lyrically? It's it's Legally. a pile. Well, it's just a pile of crap. I mean, I don't. I think you could be generous and read this as like, it's just a song about someone who is seventeen. But it does have a weird feel to it, and there's a lot of sexuality on this album. So it does sound like he's got a crush on this apparently Spanish, if you read the lyrics, um, girl who is seventeen, and not cool, guys, not cool. And I don't like this song in any capacity. No. Um... And with going out round town a lot recently, like I remember being like 17, 18, 19, trying to get into clubs, you know, like, and feeling like everybody looked older than I did. Yeah. I am solidly on the opposite end of that scale now, where every club I go into looks like a a school disco and not a good one. I, 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 I'm, I'm actually at that age where I feel like IDing people myself. And I, because I just don't believe that any of those people are actually old enough, and it's it it's really bizarre and creepy to be on the other end of this now. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe maybe it's time to hang up your dancing shoes. <laughs>
I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of people in Wigan that would be very, very happy if I did that. Um, but I, I don't. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to. Uh, let's You'll move be in there on till then. You're Fifty with a ponytail and a bald front head, and something for something. Oh, I used to do a podcast. Do you know? Do you want a kamikaze? <laughs> used to. Do you know something I don't? Oh well, I mean, I've been podcasting twenty years. Right. Uh, so track number eight, Notion. Exactly three minutes, released on the 29th of June, 2009, uh, UK chart 107, uh, US alt airplay chart number one, and number seven in Poland, they're massive in Poland, and uh, this this was the first time that a Kings of Leon single hadn't got into the uh, top 100 of the UK chart. Mm. It's uh, despite heavy airplay apparently on, on Radio 1. I remember thinking this. Is it, this is a real doubleheader. Um, just as there was a good doubleheader of Manhattan and Revelry, I I don't think this song is very good. It's definitely not a single, though. Whatever I think about it, it's not a single. I think they got caught up in this song because what I remember reading about it was that it was written in a sound check, and it was relatively. It was just everything fit together, and I'm sure there. I mean, I mean, you and I have written some fantastic songs over the years. But there was some. <laughs> there was some, yes, I have. There was a, well, yeah, yeah. You've been, you've been there. You've been in the room, and um, <laughs> I'm the I'm the Brian Eno of the group. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you might like the, that scissors player in uh, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. Anyway, um, <laughs> the French girl. Is she French? Wow, She's I French, didn't yeah. I didn't hear the accent as she played those scissors. Um, Less is her. <laughs> but um, she. Uh, anyway, the it's it's. When we've written songs together, there's been times when it's been tortuous and it's been like trying to get blood from a stone. But there's been a couple of times where, you know, to quote Bono, God has walked through the room and it feels like, wow, this has worked quite well. You know, this is, it's, it's, it's flowed together and it's like you found something that was already, already there and you're happy about it. And I think that's maybe how they fe- felt about this song. If they did write during a sound check, sorry, Kings of Leon fans, if I'm getting this wrong. And but by the way, I'm sure we pissed off lots and lots of Kings of Leon fans. So you know, apologies, but these are just our opinions. Um, Makes a change from pissing off you two fans. Well, yeah, and every other band on, under the sun that we've done so far. <laughs> Some Peter Gabriel fans are absolutely livid. Um, uh, yeah, so I feel they probably feel that that way about this song. But they shouldn't because it's not a particularly good song. It's actually not a bad song either, like the previous one. It's just I, I really like it. Oh god, I genuinely, I genuinely really like it. Well, what's it's, good about um, it then? Um, I think instrumentally, it's it's fantastic. It's very very pretty. Uh, it's put it's put together very well. Um, I like the fact that the guitar. I will admit that even at, even at three minutes, even at three minutes, it seems to go on a bit too long. Mm. But it, it's very nice. Um, I just I don't like the growly man on this track. Don't knock it. Uh, it's just it's it's a good. I I do like it. It's one of the songs that I've been looking forward to listening to. Did you not get my my you great know, it, my great reference there? I said don't no. knock it, and that's the refrain of this song that you apparently love. Oh right, okay, <laughs> right, very, very good. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose you've only listened to this for about two weeks. I, I don't mind jokes on the podcast, Johnny, but I'd rather them be funny. Oh, catty, but I like it. <laughs> um, I, I like, I like. There's a bit where the guitar is panned to the left, which I always notice in my earphones, and I really like that. I think that guitar's recorded well. Um, instrumentally, 
the the guys are fab they're very very good i'd say like overall and i like the fact that you can always tell what's caleb's guitar and always tell what the other one i think i don't know his name matthew maybe matthew's guitars and they got caleb and matthew written on them no, but um, I think Caleb... Oh, you you mean sonically. I mean sonically, yes. Because Caleb keeps yeah. it very straight down the line. Just very simple. I think he uses pretty much the same guitar for every song, more or less. And very rare for him to have lots of different um, effects and stuff on it. Whereas the lead is is it's fascinating and i think he's definitely he's got to be a fan of the edge like it's it, it, there's so many references and little things he's great with reverb he's great with delay and i think he really curates his guitar sounds um the problem is for this song i i think the single makes me feel sick do you like the single for this like it's using like a weird harmonizer sound it makes me feel sick genuinely like nauseous um i'll have a look but you are one of the people that feels sick with the um the PlayStation thing, what's it called? Oh, VR. The virtual, the virtual reality thing. Yeah. That's a bloody sell it because it made me that queasy. I'm not, I'm not knocking it as well. <laughs> I love, I love PlayStation. It's my fault and it's annoying. It's a, it's a, it's a. He's it's... such a nerdy little man, and you're quite tall. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> just, right. this is a great podcast. Tyler's just laughing at his own jokes. I'm laughing at you. You're laughing at them. Like I get an immense joy from creating. Joy. Oh, what a saint. <laughs> anyway, um, track nine, I Want You, five minutes, seven seconds. Certain, now, this certainly does have a sex appeal. Yeah, um, very sultry. I, I could, oh, yeah. Uh, I could imagine being, like, giving a lap dance to this track if I was in a, a David Lynch film as someone bounces a ping pong ball off some pots and pans. Yeah, and uh, someone talks backwards and then eats some coffee. It's just, it's just, it's. Just, I, I, I got it. It, 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 it tapped into a certain dark side of my um, psyche. <laughs> that I, listeners, Ty was like. actually dancing then, like, like doing a sort yeah. of Salome style <laughs> shimmy. You should have seen me when I was power walking to it this morning. Oh, lovely. When, when you say about <laughs> you power walking, I imagine you like, you know, in American dramas when there's old <laughs> women power walking, they're going very slowly and like full. Matching jogger, yes. T Rex arms, yeah, T Rex arms. Exactly, yeah. and it's all it's all in the arms. Yeah, it's all in the hips. Yeah, just gossiping <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, that's how I imagine, and uh, you know, I don't mind it. So yeah, uh, it, very catchy song. Uh, that, that it's one of the few songs that uh, the drum hook at the start. I love. I, I I like playing that drum hook. It took me a little while to to figure it out, and it's a it's just a it has a really strong vibe, very smoky, stuffy, summery simmering over with sexuality and i think this is them doing sexuality right i think they've done i don't like sex on fire as i said i don't like 17 but this to me is them doing it really well so to speak yeah i it uh, it makes you move it uh, and it builds up excellently really nicely paced even at five minutes long i felt like i i, I was left wanting more mm, i which want is you always... to carry on Always a risk with a five-minute track, but um, well worth it. Good song. Loved it. Number 10, Be Somebody, three minutes, 47 seconds. And Johnny, my first question to you is, is this the same somebody? As who? The used somebody. Oh, yeah, that's true. It does work as a, as a little kind of twin, doesn't it? Although uh, separated by quite a few tracks. 
Maybe so. I don't think there's a narrative on this album. I think you'd be hard pressed. I mean, to use that. somebody, and then I want to be somebody. I think they just. I think it's just somebody. I think it's just. It's just it happens to be that they like that word. But it's a str- it's a strange word to have in two titles on one album. Yeah, I agree. Um, the probably in a lot of them. In fact, I don't think is there a the. Um, I'm scrolling through. My God, there is not a the. But there is two somebodies. What a crazy revelation! I'm trying to think of other famous somebody songs. Somebody to love. You got any? So, can anybody find me somebody to <laughs> horrible love? Um, right, um, somebody. Uh, I don't think I can think off the top of my head. I don't, killers. I don't think somebody I can. told me. Yeah, who told you that? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right, so. This is an interesting song because, um, first of all, I think it's definitely a closed can experience. I think it's, of all the songs on the album, I think you should listen to it in closed cans. Very, very loud. It's got a vibe to it that I get a very, I get a very much, at least for the verse and the start of it, very Joshua Tree rattling hummy vibe. To me, it almost sounds a bit like Exity, almost. You know, at the start, we're saying, you can't get enough, can't get enough. Like, and there's the, there's the drums and the reverb and the feedback. You know, it feels dark. I don't, no, I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't. I, I get the exit thing, but I didn't go there in my mind. I understand what you mean, but I, I don't yeah. think a lot of people would have that take. Well, it, it's got that feel that I, I can. I can almost see them playing this in a black and white. You know, with lots of strobes and stuff. But then, yeah. turn the strobes off, bring up the color. The chorus is a totally different. Um, vibe you know really thick drum sound yeah very very tom based in the verses yeah. but then suddenly it clears out and the chorus you know it's a it's a big contrast and it seems again very scant research it seems to divide people as to whether they like it or not. i like it I, I think that the chorus works well but it does feel like they built they were going one direction with it very dark and then suddenly when you get to the chorus it's it's very euphoric and major you know rather minor and dark do you like it well when this yeah, when this came on, I thought, this is more like it. This should be, like, at the start of the album. Yep. Uh, maybe not track one, but this should certainly be at the start of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I couldn't help think that a lot of people didn't get this far. Yep. People might have turned off after it, it's, notion. It's far too late, but there's a real atmosphere, a palpable emotion. It's um, kind of capitalising on that, that gravelly, growly voice, yep. which really works in this song. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it, those screaming guitars, just I, there's, there's mm. so much that I just want to chew on in this in this song. And I, I, what effect is is, is uh, have we got on the guitar? It's not like an infinite guitar because it dies out pretty quick. But I couldn't really pick out what. Do you need to listen to the song a little? No, bit? no, no. I'm just trying right. to think which bit do you mean because obviously there's quite a, there's a lot of delay. As I mean, he uses quite a bit of delay. Um, but I mean. I think maybe you think it, it's it's like in the earlier part. There's like you know, think of the just first feedback, minute I think, in the song. Just, just very high gain using. I think what he does a lot, which it seems to be one of his signature sounds, and he, he uses it a lot in Cold Desert, is he's he's got a semi hollow body guitar, which he's turned up the the in the gain is very very high. So you, and you've got like a bit of natural feedback to it, so it gives it that feedback quality without it. I don't, I don't, it's hard to describe. It's got a kind of thinness to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. It's a great sound. Um, I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that, but that's that seems to be what it what it's like. Um, almost like that quality edge sometimes gets when he uses, you know, he was doing Love and Peace and 
and using that acoustic, but chucking a <laughs> load of gain through it. Uh, which, yeah. You know, a, a, an interesting experiment. I wonder when was the last time he touched that guitar? Not sent it around for a while. I mean, it's very, it's very brand, you know, it's very branded, isn't it, towards the Vertigo tour, so it'd be difficult to get out all the time. Where's Adam's bass? The Potmart bass. What about it? Where's that? Where is it? I think he's in a museum, you know, actually. I mean, it, it should be on tour with him. <laughs> they should sell those in the shops. I'd buy one. Anyway, um, yeah. So there's a, there's there's some guitars around the three minute mark, which are a little bit too Brian May for my liking. Oh, don't um, say that! I don't ruin it for me. But but look, listen to it. It's it, I just I picked it out like first time. Okay. It's we'll do. um it, they don't stick around long, uh, but I think considering how how well this song starts, it doesn't end very well. I think I, I I think I quite I, I think it does have a sense that it peters out a little bit actually. But if it's a bit I'm thinking of, I quite like that bit. The room's going like do 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 do. I really like that bit. Yeah, I just uh, I I kind of wanted it to keep building and exploding, and it it eh, it didn't do that. Yeah, good baseline in the chorus. A, oh yeah, yeah, wicked. Like very very good baseline. It's so amazing that when the when they're working together, all, all four of them, they they have this amazing sound. Uh, between them mm. and a uh, very tight song i love it um have you been surprised any, anything else overall with how much you like certain aspects of king's end because i would say going into this i would say that you would not describe yourself as a fan i wouldn't i wouldn't describe myself as a fan now but there are there is i'd certainly be more open to listening to them and no no johnny that is not an invitation to bore me to death with kings of leon the next time i see you i will curate but, a playlist soon <laughs> uh I've been surprised how much of uh, like there's some really really good stuff and there's some really really bad stuff and there's not a lot of middle ground. Yeah, and I feel that about this album as well. Weird for me. That is really weird for such a successful band and such a successful album. I'm not used to being the uh, to be, there being such a discrepancy, but you know between good and bad you have heard no line on the horizon haven't you because i get a very very strong vibe that's similar for these albums as in there's very very high quality bits and then bits that are utterly for me terrible compared to the usual standard like that that i would say is the most clear analogy i think there's the same proportion of good material to bad and not much in between on on those two albums so let's bring no line on the horizon into this obviously in 2008 2009 kind of time you had the killer's day and age you had um kings of leon only by the night you had viva la vida by Coldplay. and it seemed like there was a little arcade fire had, had been around mm. neon bible had come out like one or two years before uh and there was a lot of other new musics popping up arctic monkeys were huge um uh, do you think there was there was this bit of a change in the guard, and you two didn't really know where they placed, and that had a, a, a knock on effect with No Line on the Horizon? Yeah, I think that that is definitely a factor, but I also think, as I've said about a hundred times, No Line on the Horizon is is pulled in too many different directions. Lots of good ideas, but really pulling in different directions and. They didn't decide. I, I like it when they decide with on a, on a thing and really run with it. You know, Joshua Tree, Acton Baby. I like it when they go hard on something. Pop, to a certain extent, actually. Because I, I, for whatever pop is, it's not 
a confused album in terms of trying to pull in different directions. It's full on wacky, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And I like that. Whereas No Line on the Horizon is, it's just too much of a dog's dinner to be, to be good. Yeah. Let's not, let's not annoy literally everybody listening to this podcast. Um, just go back to the original uh, podcast on on No Line on the Horizon and listen and listen to that, and, uh, <laughs> or complain on Twitter to us. Uh, the original rant, some people call that. <laughs> so, uh, track eleven, final track. It's Cold Desert. I almost said Cold Roses. Then I thought you were cold gonna say desert. Uh, Cold Desserts, which sounds quite nice actually. Would you like a cold dessert? I'd love a cheesecake right now. The things I would do for a cheesecake right now. I'll probably just go and buy one after this. At what temperature? Cold. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But you, so you wouldn't want it to like be... No one wants a warm cheesecake. <laughs> you can get a baked one, but they're not as good. But Yeah, but you, they're still served anyway. Right, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> track 11, Cold Desert. Five minutes, 34 seconds. Absolutely beautifully composed and played, but doesn't really do anything for me. Oh, wow. And... It's, I don't know. Are they going for a 40 effect with the ending of this song? Well, you know, with the with the false finish and then they come back yeah. in. It's, and I was yeah. I was just thinking, please, lads, don't try and do 40, at, at, you know, at a gig. Because when you come back on stage, everyone's gone. You know, everyone will have left. Ooh. They're in the cars on the way home. You're riling up the Kings of Leon fans. I, it's, I don't care. It's an honest review. And I don't know any Kings of Leon fans other than you. So what are they going to do, really? Well, I'll, I'll tell everyone at the meeting um, that we have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of over the whole fade in, fade out thing. I don't think it... I, I, don't, I think it's done nowadays. There's certain things that were great when they were first out, but th- th- we don't need any more of them. Like in horror films, how there's obviously the bit where someone's looking in a bathroom mirror that's slightly ajar, and then they close the mirror and suddenly behind them you see there's a, a, a Japanese girl with black hair or like a or a monster thing or a gremlin or something. Um, it's been done. It, and it, it was good the first time, but it's been done. And I think the whole fade out, no, actually, we're coming back in thing is kind of crap. And it had been Do you done know what I hate? Do you know, in horror films, like when you're looking, when the guy's looking in the mirror or the girl's looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and she walks away and the reflection stays there... <laughs> hate it hate it like i i i i mean it has a good effect mm. but it it can stop me from looking in, in a mirror for a good six months yeah, because yeah. i i would die very quickly if i ever saw my reflection you know like it's just looking horrible. back at me oh in a, looking back at you <laughs> but in a position that i wasn't you know he's just uh, you know i'm just there staring at me i i, I couldn't take what if it. it was quite a friendly one you know thumbs up <laughs> Again, I don't think this is a face. You know, I I think uh, that would be utterly terrifying. That'd be more terrifying. That made me tingle slightly when you did that. There, yeah. Yeah, you know, that would be more terrifying. It's like, but... oh my god, he's he's trying to wind me up now. I I'm the one person that's safe from being wound up by me, right? Mm. So if I if if my ghost or uh, evil twin starts winding me, doppelganger, up, I'm in the same hell as the rest of you. Well, let's 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 drive back up out to the cold desert. So, first time I thought about, um, first time I heard this song, I liked it. I think it's interesting how it's cold desert. So obviously that's an it's it's an intriguing title because deserts are meant to be 
hot. You know, famously they would be hot. And I th- apart from at night time. Well, yeah, obviously. But I mean, if you say desert, you don't think about one at night time. It's like if you if you say elephant, you don't think about. Oh God, why have we gone? Why have we gone on this route? You don't think about like a. Although a cold Arctic could be the a cold desert could be the Arctic. Well, I mean, the the Arctic's certainly hotting up these days. Mm. So yeah, and it'll it- be a sea. A desert doesn't have to have sand. Let's not discriminate. Fair enough. Well, anyway, the point is that I think the Cold, Cold Desert's a good name for the song because to me this song is about well, it's about not feeling right with yourself, and it's about like everyone thinks that you're one way or expects you to be one way, but actually you feel a different way inside. So if you're known as someone who's like the life of the party, like a hot desert, but actually inside you feel cold. That that to me seems to be what the what the song is kind of about. Caleb said that it was about the man at the end of his rope who picks himself back up, and I think he was drinking quite a lot at this point. This song was recorded on a day where he said that he was very very drunk, and he, only the first chorus, I might I'm, sorry, only the first few lines had he an idea about, and then he improvised the rest of the song. To me, the song feels a bit too sculpted to be a hundred percent improvised, but I'm happy to believe it if that's what if that's what it is. But um, I really like this song, and um, let's just go for a couple of lyrics, which I think are the, like, the big ones on here. So it says, "I've never ever cried when I was feeling down. I've always been scared of the sound." That to me is a great set of lines because it's simultaneously about masculinity, like I'm, I've I've never cried, which is like a a, a ma- macho things you know oh i don't cry but he's saying it's because he's afraid of the sound of himself crying which is a sad vulnerable line and then he says this infamous line that i referenced before jesus don't love me nobody ever carried my load i'm too young to feel this old he was only 26 when he wrote that but i think it's it's not unreasonable to feel worn out and old beyond your years and if he did write this when he just came to the studio and they had this, they had down some instruments and then he just poured his heart out whilst drunk, this is the best version of someone doing that because it usually does not go very well when someone's really drunk and goes, get the guitar, let's write a song. Like It usually does not go very well. Which maybe I you can speak you I'll to. I'll try and stop doing that. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, maybe you could speak to that. Uh, so do, do you um, like yeah, it? Yeah, no, I, I get that. And- do I like what? This, Sorry, the album. Or no, no, this, the no song? this one. This song. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um, mm. Yeah, it's. I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty cool on it right now. But cold. I didn't turn it off. There was there was no there was no tracks that I you know were becoming skip territory. Crawl is a struggle, but <laughs> it's got energy. It's got pace, and it you know made me. Well, it helped it helped me walk. I just pretended like I was trying to walk away from the song. How, how ironic! Um, walk away, walk away. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm glad you made me listen to this. I <laughs> I don't know how much I'm going to go back to it, but I'm glad you made me listen to it. What is your sweetest thing, Jonathan? Uh, my favorite track, my sweetest thing on this listen was Revelry. Okay, mine was Be Somebody. Cool. And Tyler, what was your dirty day? Your least favourite track. I bet it's going to be Revelry, isn't it? <laughs> hmm. What could it possibly be? No, it's Crawl. Of course it is. Oh, right. It's a bad version of a song I'm already... I'm, I mean, I'm bored of the original. Wow. <laughs> I'm get a lot of hatred <laughs> yeah. from you two fans on this one. We actually do like you two quite a lot, and I love the, the Blue Sky. Yeah, but we shouldn't deify them. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's a. We actually got con- uh, congratulated recently for um, not not defying them. Well, yeah, I think I think I think it was very dr- very drummery problems. Yeah, that said that to us. Oh, and speaking speaking of which, I meant to do this earlier on. Uh, can I say a very fond thank you to Sean Wheeland, who wished us a happy five year anniversary, Jesus, um, via email, and also told me that Captive is available to watch on YouTube. So maybe that's that word is underlined a hundred times maybe we'll do something on it or maybe i'll just do a weird one-man crazy review because i I love captive as an album i've never seen the film but maybe 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 we'll watch it together so that has been the final episode of tumul for this time around that's season three of tumul Next time, we are going to do a little bit of a celebration uh, of our fifth year anniversary and U2's 45th year anniversary is right around the corner. Um, I'm not going to reveal what it is yet, but me and Johnny know what it's going to be and I'm going to do a few teases on Twitter. Um, But as soon as we can get together and record it, then you'll find out. And I think it's going to be quite a memorable episode, that one. Johnny, hopefully so. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> Get the hype machine going early on that one. Yeah, we also don't deify our own podcast. <laughs> we don't, we don't, not at all. But thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you very much if if you just discovered Re- Review Two or Tumul over the last few months. Sorry, it's taken so long. We're ashamed of ourselves, but this is the kind of quality that you really have to wait for. <laughs> Other than that, thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Should have said see y'all. Thank you for listening to Review 2, the YouTube podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler.